right, good morning, church. How is everybody? Are you ready to praise the holy and arisen God? Stand with us and let's celebrate Christ together. Let's do this. because he is worthy he is risen let's worship together let's celebrate we worship the God who was we worship the God who is we worship the God who
God who is. We sing to the God who always will be, who never changes. We sing because our Christ, Jesus, for those that believe, has redeemed you, has purchased you with a price. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, there is, there is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That means none, nothing, no offense can stand against you. No past wrong, no past decision stands against the blood of Christ. Isn't that amazing? And then we can sing and we can celebrate freely. And for those that don't know Christ, I want you to simply listen to the saints sing. I want you to hear our joy and our as we celebrate who Christ is, who he's causing us to be, that he will be pleased with our worship in song, in prayer, in preaching, all for his glory. We're going to continue to sing. There is a truth more than the
story is one of his faithfulness in difficult times. 13 years ago, I took my two little girls to a doctor's appointment with me, and I was pregnant with my son, and the doctor told me that I had breast cancer um, because my husband was deployed at the time. I had just let him know a couple days before since we'd found out that it was a boy um, and we had already chosen the name Isaiah and I reminded him that it means the Lord is my salvation. The, the most overwhelming thing in that moment when the doctor told me that was that the Lord put his hands on my shoulders and reminded me what his name is and who God is for him and for me, that there's nothing that can take him out of the Lord's hands, no matter how things turned out. He kept supplying joy and hope even in my weakest times. So that was 13 years ago, and Isaiah is a healthy and amazing kid, and the Lord has brought us this far. Five years ago, the Lord allowed me to have colon cancer and uterine cancer at the same time. The way he keeps strengthening me and filling me with hope and transforming struggles into a way of trusting him in a deeper way because he's good in all of it. He, his goodness doesn't, he's, he's never changed the way that he's allowed me to get to know him, my Jesus in in such a deeper and more personal way, even though I've grown up going to church my whole life. But all of these trials have been such a gift God, I never would have chosen them, but there's not many things that I would go back and change because he's so good. He's that much brighter than the darkest times. My name is Laura Bailey, and this is my God story. So for you, if you would like to share your God story, we'd love to hear it. Um, a story of God's faithfulness, a story of how 
Jesus Christ has changed you. We would just love to hear your story. Um, not necessarily to put on a screen or anything, but we just love to hear what God's doing in your life. If, if you have a story of God's faithfulness and how Christ has been amazing in your life, we would love to hear it. And you simply just text the word story to our number, 910-424-1298, story. We would just love to hear. We'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. And as we hear Laura's story, uh, it fits so perfectly with what we've been talking about in James. How um, our big idea in James is a faith that saves you will also change you, right? So as we believe by faith in Christ and walk by faith in Christ, that faith changes us. As we walk through difficult times and painful times and times of struggle, it's our faith that makes us new. So our big idea in James is a faith that saves you will also change you. So, but today we're going to take a step into that and specifically look at how does God's word play a role there? How does God's word play a role in you being changed more and more and more into the image of Jesus? So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in James 1 verse 19. If you have a phone, you can open up our app and we'll have on our app the sermon notes that you can take notes and follow along if you'd like. Uh, But let's go to James chapter 1. And our big idea as we walk through James 1, 19 through the end of the chapter is going to be this. If we listen to the word, receive the word, and do the word, we will then be changed by the word. All right, so we have to listen to it, receive it, do it, and then we're going to be changed by it. God's word in your life is the primary way that he seeks to bring true, lasting change. Apart from God's word, there is no real, lasting change in your life. It is the center focus for everything. You show me someone that lives a life um, uh, bearing out lasting fruit and a changed life and faithfulness in the Lord, and I guarantee you that we're also talking about someone who has committed themselves to listening to God's word, receiving God's word, and doing God's word. Conversely, show me someone who professes to be a Christian, but also struggles. They struggle in faith, they struggle to have joy, they struggle to have peace, they struggle with fear, they struggle to forgive, they struggle to resist temptation, they struggle to stay committed in church. And I guarantee you, more than likely, we're also looking at someone who has not committed themselves to consistently, daily, listening, receiving, and doing the Word. This is the center focus for everything. The Bible is not just a book of good moral teachings. It is the avenue through which God has created and set up for your spiritual growth. Apart from it, you will not grow. End of story, hard period, not going to have any footnote. You are not in any way, shape, or form the exception. And that's not me talking, that's Jesus talking. I'm going to show you a scripture. John chapter 6 verse 63. Listen to what Jesus says. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Right? So you can't help you. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Here's what Jesus is saying. Just like you as a physical person have to have two parents, right? A mother and a father, right? You can't be born without two parents, a mother and a father. That's it. In the same way, spiritually speaking, you in essence kind of have two parents, God has set it up where the Spirit of God works in connection with the Word of God to bring life into you. The way Jesus has set it up 
the way God has designed spiritual growth to work in you is the Spirit of God working through the Word of God transforms you into the image of the Son of God. The reason many of us struggle so mightily in the Christian faith is because you have set yourself off from the avenue by which God has deemed to bring life to you. So yeah, you don't have it. Just this week, my wife was having a conversation with someone who called her about some marriage advice that were struggling. I said, my, my husband's this, and my husband's that, my husband's this, and my husband's that. And, da, da, da. and so as my wife was talking um, with her on the cell phone, I think while she was walking through Goodwill, which is basically where you always find her. And so as she's doing that, she asked her the question, well, tell me about your personal walk with the Lord. How much time do you spend in the Word? What, how, how are you showing a life submitted to Jesus? And, and she says, well, I don't really, I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't really have that like I should. And she's like, well, what you want me to do for you, boo? That's not an exact quote. But she's like, you, you calling me, expecting me to give you magical advice. He's created an avenue by which this is going to happen to you, and you have chosen to cut yourself off from it. That's why you're not bearing fruit. And I would submit the exact same thing is for you. This is the reason you're not bearing fruit. It's actually not complicated. This is the reason. Times of difficulty will come. All that's going to happen. But the reason you're not bearing lasting, genuine, long fruit is because you have cut yourself off from the only means by which God has deemed to give it to you. His Spirit Working through his word is what transforms you into his image. And if you try to change that formula, you lose. You lose. So how do we do this? How do we have lasting, long-term spiritual growth bearing out good spiritual fruit from God's word? John, uh, excuse me, James. John's good too, but we'll start with James. James. Chapter 1, verse 19. Here's going to be our big uh, first idea. You have to listen to the word. All right? So James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be uh, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, for many of us, if you've read this, you've been in church, you've probably heard these verses or thought these verses in the context of a personal relationship, right? You need to be quick to listen to people, slow to open up your mouth to people, and definitely slow to be angry at them. Now, now that's true, right? You should be quick to listen because when you listen to someone, you show you actually care. You need to be slow to speak. Proverbs chapter 10 says, a wise person closes their lips. Yes, that's true. And yes, you need to be slow to anger for sure, right? Because that's Exodus 34. God is slow to anger. So you need to be slow to anger. That's very much true. However, I think this is why knowing how to read the Bible is important. He's not talking about personal relationships. The context here is clearly the Bible. We see that because in verse 21, he's going to tell you that we must receive the implanted word. In verse 22, he's going to tell you to go be a doer of that word. The context here is the Bible, that you would be quick to hear from God and his word, that you would be slow to open up your mouth and share your opinion about what God needs to be doing, and you're definitely going to be slow to be angry and resentful and rebel against God and his word. That's the point. 
You're listening to God's word. You're hearing God's word. You're setting yourself up under God's word. You're trusting him, shutting your mouth, submitting to him, and letting him speak. That's the point. And if you do that, you're going to do the other things, right? You're going to listen to people. You're going to be slow to give your opinion. You're definitely going to be slower to anger because we've done that in context of God's word. All throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What's he saying there? Not, not like, well, deaf people, you're out of luck. Sorry. He's talking about your spiritual ears. You have two sets of ears. You have physical ears and you have spiritual ears. Just because you physically hear something doesn't mean you spiritually hear it. What Jesus is calling you to is that you would spiritually tune your ear to hear God. Romans chapter 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is how it's set up. I want to read another scripture to you. We'll throw it up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5 verses 11 through 14. Listen to what God's word says. About this I have much to say. So what's he talking about there? So the guy who's writing Hebrews, he's just talking about Jesus, right? Jesus' work, Jesus' power, Jesus' resurrection, what Jesus is doing in you, how Jesus changes your life. And he says, I have a lot about this that I want to talk about. However, verse 11, it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He doesn't mean that they all become physically deaf. Now they become spiritually deaf. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What the author of Hebrews is saying here is that the reason you're immature is because you've stopped listening to God. The reason these Hebrews, these Jewish believers, are not as mature as they should be is because they've allowed their spiritual ears to get dull. They're not listening to God. So the question that I have for you, very simply starting out the gate, is this. Have you set your life up in such a way where you're even able to hear what God says to you? Are you even putting yourself in a position to hear from God? Do you make it a standing rule that Unless Jesus himself meets you at the foot of the bed and tells you not to, you're going to be in his house with his people on a Sunday hearing the word of God proclaimed. Is that just set in you that's going to happen? Is it set in you? We do journey groups or some other small group if you're a part of a different church where you're just every week, I'm going to gather with a smaller group of God's people to hear God's word and receive from God's word and hear what God is doing in other people's lives through his word. Are you every day setting up a time where you go, I am going to wake up early, I'm going to sit down, Bible in my lap, cup in front of me, asking God to speak to me from his word. If you aren't setting up in your life ways in which you hear from God, don't be shocked when you, hang on, don't hear from God. Like, don't be like, I don't know why this is not happening. If you refuse to sit down and have a conversation with someone, you can't be shot when you don't know what they think. Have you 
Set up your life where you say, I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to let his word speak to me. I'm going to sit myself under Bible teaching. I'm going to gather around a group of smaller people and allow them to speak God's word into my life. I'm going to make it a regular part of my life that I sit down with God's word and have him speak to me. If you aren't listening to God right out of the gate, you're not bearing fruit. That's not a thing that's going to happen. So the first question I have for us is, is that in you? Are you seeking to actually hear from God? Are you seeking to actually allow Him to speak to you and your spiritual ear is tuned in to hear Him? you got to actually listen. But then it goes deeper than that. Not only just listening. Second thing is this. You have to receive the words. So not just listen. Listen is first, right? Think of a kind of step process, right? First thing you got to do is listen, right? you got to tune your ear to hear it. And then secondly, it's not just, okay, I heard that. Yeah, you have to now receive it. So let's look at verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So whenever you see that word therefore, that means you have to ask the question, what's it there for? And it's there to tell you what's happening next is important. Listen to this. Because of what happened in the past is true, this now happens, right? Because of this, therefore this. So because of everything it's just told you, that you are called by God to listen to him, tune your ear to hear from him, not listen to yourself, not allow yourself to speak, not rebel against God in frustration and anger, but you're submitting yourself to hear from him. Therefore, since that's true, verse 21, therefore... Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Think of this like a farming analogy. The Bible is full of farming analogies. Jesus does this in Matthew chapter 13 where he he likens the word of God to seed being thrown out and different kinds of soil being like the hearts and said some's on on hard ground and the birds just plucked it it up and that's that's that person where you come in here because you're supposed to or you're forced to or your wife says I'm going to leave you if you don't or whatever the rationale. You come in and your heart is just concrete and everything that's being said is just bouncing off of you, right? Like like bird seed off concrete. Jesus also says some soil has rocks and thorns and things in that. So, so the seed comes in and it starts to go and grow. But because of the rocks, because of the thorns, it all just gets choked out. But there's another soil, good soil, that receives the word and bears fruit. The point of verse 21 is the word of God is a seed that seeks to be planted deep in your heart. But the question is, track with me, what's the condition of the soil of your heart? That's the question I want you to look in the mirror and ask yourself. What is the honest condition of your heart to receive from God? He desires to plant this deep in you, that you would receive this. Receive it means to take it and grab it as your own own. meekness. You're gentle, you're humble, you're setting yourself under submission to God so that you take God's word, you plant it deep into your heart, and you allow that to bear out fruit. But in order for that to happen, the field has to get cleaned out, right? If you ever planted a garden or anything like that, you got to make sure that soil is good to go. So it says, here's how you know your soil is good. you got to remove something. So what is it that we're to take out, to put away, to remove? Verse 21, put away 
therefore all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Filthiness is like defilement, something that makes you dirty. Rampant wickedness is a really cool word. It means a stain or residue of sin. Uh, The King James says an overflow of wickedness. So think about it kind of like this. Um, At our house, we have a glass top stove. Right, and so if you ever put something on that glass top stove and it boils over, what boils over, if you ever have a glass top stove, kind of stains around where it, where it spilled over. Make sense? So you can take that big pot off and away, but that stain is still there, and that you got to come back and clean that up. That's describing your heart. Right? You come to faith in Christ, and God removed massive chunks of sin from you. Right? You're like, you think I'm bad today? You should have seen me a year ago. Right? Massive things have been taken out of my life. Praise God for that. That's amazing. That's awesome. But what now God is going after is this, the residue and stain that's still around. You remove the big thing. Awesome. But what about that stain that needs to be cleaned up also? Even that is stopping you from fully receiving from God's word. It's great that you're not unfaithful to your spouse anymore. But do you still have lust in your heart? It's great that you don't cuss out and take a swing at everybody that ticks you off. But do you still have anger in your heart? It's the stain that needs to be cleaned up. It's that residue. It's that boil over that needs to be cleaned up. That's you preparing your heart to really receive. And it says here, when that happens, when you put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, then you receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That The word save, again, this doesn't mean you do this in order to be saved. You're saved just by grace through faith, but the word save is soza in the Greek. And it means this um, uh, Made complete, made whole, made right. And so it says the only way that you're going to be made complete and whole and right, the only way that your salvation is going to become complete, the only way you're going to mature and grow up in your salvation is if you do this. There is one way, that's it. Humbly receive the implanted word, give yourself to it, and allow God to remove anything in your life that stops that so that he can bear out spiritual fruit. That is the only way this works. So then how do you do this? How do you receive? Just, we'll just recap it in three quick things. Number one, you must confess your sins. Confess your sins and ask God to forgive you because it says there in the beginning of that verse, What? Put away these things. Take off these things. Repent and turn from these things. you got to confess your sin and turn from that. Second, ask God to plow up any hardness in your heart. Again, what's the condition of the soil of your heart? Do you need God to plow that up? Are there rocks that need to be removed? Are there thorns that need to be removed? Are there things you love in this world that need to be plucked out from your heart? Get your heart ready. In Hosea chapter 10, it says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. He's saying, ask God to till up your hearts. And then third, 
Have an attitude of meekness, gentleness, humility. Say, God, you are king. I am your servant. You do whatever you want of me. You remove whatever you want from me. I just trust you. You listen to the word. You receive the word. And then, third, you do it. You do the word. Look at verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That phrase, deceiving yourself, means to cheat by false counting, right? You're, you're, you're cooking the books. And it's interesting. Look again at verse 22. Who's doing the deceiving and who is being deceived? The answer is easy. It's you for both of them. Look at me. Satan is not deceiving you. The world is not deceiving you. False teachers are not deceiving you. You are deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself into thinking that you're actually doing the word when you're not. You're the one doing the reception. Well, I, I go to church. I'm in one of those groups. I pray all the time, all right? It might not have one of those like quiet times, but I pray all throughout the day. What are you doing there? Well, you're deceiving yourself into thinking you're farther along and bearing more fruit than you actually are. You deceive yourself about the doing. And here's the thing about me deceiving me. The best person in the world to lie to Brad Lynch is Brad Lynch. You know why? Because I desperately want to think I'm better than I am. I desperately want to believe the problem is someone else and not me. I desperately want to think that I am more righteous than I actually am. So I listen to lies that I say very easily. Do not deceive yourself. The command of the Lord here is very clear that we are to do the word and that we are blessed in the doing of the word. Look at verse 23 in case there's some confusion as to what being a doer looks like. Verses 23 through 25 kind of clear this up for us. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So real quick, verse 23, when it says this person who's a hearer and not a doer, he's a man who looks intently at his face in the mirror. So again, the analogy here is going and looking at a mirror. And it says looking intently. In other words, this is someone who takes looking at themselves seriously, but they don't actually do anything about it. Again, the idea is you woke up this morning, you got out of bed, you walked into the bathroom, you looked in the mirror, and you were like, whoa, that is rough. Yeah, I'll just run with it. And you walk away. This is someone, it's describing when it says looks intently. This is someone who may even take serious time in Bible study. This is someone who knows all the Bible answers. This is the guy that when you're in a group and someone asks a hard question, you're always looking at him. What do you think? He looks intently at the word, right? He he does that. He has all the knowledge. He looks very intently at it. He knows this. He knows knows how to pronounce all the hard words. Like, he's got it down. But he doesn't actually do anything with it. He knows it, but he doesn't actually apply it to his life. 
You are not blessed in your knowing, you're blessed in your doing. You are not blessed in your knowing, you're blessed in your doing. I'm so glad that you have a lot of Bible knowledge. That's fantastic. Does your life show the fruit of someone who actually lives it? Verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. This is someone who, again, looks intently at the law, looks intently just like the first guy. They're looking intently. God is not anti-Bible study. He's all very pro-Bible study. You're looking intently at the Word. You're looking intently at God's law. You're looking intently at what the Scriptures say to you. But then you do something with it. You're looking intently at the law and you persevere. You stay there until you're changed. You don't jump ship just because you learned a new thing. You stay there until it is planted in you and lived out in you. It's it's interesting also, it talks about this person who looks intently into the perfect law. In sort of ancient Greek writings, that that word where it talks about looks intently is the same word that had been used for a woman looking at the mirror who looks intently into the mirror for the purpose of making sure everything is in place and right before they leave. Now someone who looks into the mirror, sees what needs to be changed, and goes, okay, and walks away. But someone who stays in the mirror until it's right. This is the person who receives blessing from God. The person who stays in the mirror of God's word until they're doing it. This is what it looks like. In Mark 4.24, Jesus said, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. It is not about what you hear. It is about what you do with it. So you must listen to the word. You must receive the word. Then you must do the word. And as a result of that, verse 26, you're going to be changed by the word. 26 and 27, we're just going to spend a quick second on that because these ideas are actually fleshed out more in James. But I want you to get the big idea. Look at verse 26. For if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The idea is this, if you're truly listening to God's word, receiving God's word, and doing God's word, you're going to live a life that's changed. Verse 26, you're going to live a life of self-control. You're going to control your tongue because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. You're going to care for those who are in need. You're not just going to say that the right things. You're actually going to do something to help them and bless them and serve them in Jesus' name. You're going to keep yourself unstained from this world and the things of this world. You love God and you hate sin and your life proves that by the way you live. The point is as you listen and receive and do the word, you're changed by it and your life shows the evidence of a man and woman changed. The whole point of James is, don't tell me what you believe, show me what you believe. Are you changed? Are you different? We started with our big idea. If we listen to the word, receive the word, and do the word, 
will be changed by the word. It's our desire for you. Our desire for you is that you would experience a powerful move of God in your life that changes you and makes you new, that bears out lasting spiritual fruit. We are serious as the pastors of this church. I'll speak on behalf of all of our pastors as the pastors of this church. We are serious about Colossians 1, 28 and 29 that says our responsibility is to make sure that we present every single one of you back to God as mature and holy and perfect in Christ, complete and lacking in nothing. That is God's call on us, and we take that very, very seriously but track with me it's our responsibility to make sure that you are presented back to God perfect pure complete lacking in nothing James is very clear the way that happens is by you listening to receiving doing being changed by submitting to God's word so our responsibility as pastors is to help impart to you how you do that so we stand up here every Sunday we say, here's what God's word says. And we train up group leaders so that you can be plugged into our journey group. So you can come in and every week someone can say, so here's what God's word says. And we provide things we call equip classes. I want to show you a few that we have coming up. Some equip classes. Equip classes are classes that we do to help pour into you the big rocks of the Christian faith. How do you live this thing out? How do you... Listen to and receive God's word, and then how do you do it? And that's exactly what we have set up here. right? We've got classes for you on how to hear and receive from God's word. Core Christianity is a class that's going to teach you the basics of the faith. Do you sit in here and think, I probably should be farther along than I really am? Core Christianity exists to help catch you up. You look back and go, gosh, I really wish I wouldn't have flaked out in college and just stuck to this thing. I've been much farther along. I feel like I don't know anything. I don't know the answers. I don't know the Bible stories. I don't know this stuff. Core Christianity exists, exists to catch you up. Get plugged into that. Again, you have to listen to and receive from God's word. Journey into the Bible is going to teach you how to do that. Journey in the Bible is going to say, here's how you open up the Bible, here's how you can read it, here's how you can study it, here's how you can glean from it, here's how you understand what God is saying, here's how you can apply it to your life. We want to help you do that. Right? Then we want to help you actually do it. Specifically for husbands and wives this spring. We've got a class for you wives created to be a helpmeet. We've got a, a class for you gentlemen created to need a helpmeet. This is going to help you apply and do God's word specifically within the context of your marriage. We've got another one that just actually came online after I made the slide. On Wednesday nights, we're going to have another men's class, gentlemen, to teach you what does it look like from God's word to be a man of God and live as a man of God. Gentlemen, I give you two options. You can do Sunday morning if Wednesday doesn't work out, or you can do Wednesday if Sunday morning doesn't work out. The point is this. Listen to me. To quote that great philosopher, theologian, Tom Cruise. Help me help you. Help me help you. We want to present you back to God as mature and complete, lacking in nothing. But we cannot force feed you. We provide opportunities. And my deep imploring for you is do it. You are blessed in your doing 
I know a lot of us grew up in Baptist churches and you're used to the invitation where just as I am was playing the pastors down the front waiting for you to awkwardly come up and shake his hand and talk to him as everyone stares at you. Well, it's 2022. So here is the new invitation. Pull out your cell phone. Text the word equipped to that number and sign up right now this second before you leave because you're going to get to lunch and forget about it and then not do it. And oh my gosh, and well, they've already started one week, so I guess I won't do it. Sign up. Do this. Why? Because God's word is abundantly clear. There is no magic pill. There is no plan B. There is no other path. You can search and search and search, but you will not find it. Meeting with your pastor will not do it. Having a great counselor isn't going to do it. And being on medication isn't going to be your final answer. The answer is this. As the people of God allow the Spirit of God to work through the Word of God, you will be changed into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there is no other path. There is no other way. I cannot be more plain than I am. And at this point, if you choose to opt out of that, that is to the detriment of your own soul. My hands are clean. I can't wait to stand before Jesus. Ball's in your court. There is only one way. Will you do it? Will you do it? And the great thing is this. I'm going to ask our band to come up as we're we're closing out. We're going to close out today a little differently. We're going to close out sharing communion together. And here's why we're going to do that. Because while this happens through God's word, it, it's not magic, right? I tell you all the time, all right? It, it's not a magic incantation. We worship Jesus Christ, not Harry Potter. Right? This isn't, well, I, I sat down and I read the words and I gritted my teeth and said, okay, I'm going to try really hard to do that, and boom, here I am, right? This, this, this isn't some magic formula, but this is the way in which God has created to every day, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, pour truth into your heart so that you can be, over time, gradually changed, bearing out lasting fruit, so that you look up t- uh, down the road and say, oh my goodness, look what Jesus has done in me. And that's the big idea I want you to get as we close. Look what Jesus has done in me through his word. Look what Jesus has done in me through his word. The reason that we celebrate communion specifically today as we study about God's word from God's word is because the only reason you're able to have God's word do this in you is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Your sin separated you from God. That residue of sin you can do nothing about on your own. That separates you from God, stops you from receiving in your heart the implanted word. So Jesus Christ had to do something about that. I want to read for you Jeremiah chapter 31, starting in verse 31. Just listen to what God's word says. Behold, the days are coming. This is Old Testament prophecy about New Testament life in Christ. Jeremiah, thousands of years before you were ever born, is talking about you. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, 
though I was their husband, declares the Lord. What he's saying is there was a time where God said pretty simply, look, here's my word, do it. Right? Here's what I said. Like, I literally wrote it with my finger on rock and handed it to you. Now go and do it. That was the way that it worked before, and it failed miserably. Not because God was wrong, but because God was trying to show us we needed more. Simply seeing, there's God's word. Now I'm going to do that. I'm going to, all right, all right. I see that I'm blessed in doing, and I see what he says, so I'm going to do it. God set up the old covenant in a way so that you see that you can't do that. So God did something amazing. Verse 33. He makes a new covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Listen to what he does. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. The first time God wrote it on some stone and asked them to set it up for everybody to look look at. Now he takes his finger and he writes it on your heart. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and will remember their sin no more. Here's the point. God knows the only way you're going to actually have life and bear out spiritual fruit is as you listen to, receive, submit, do, obey God's word. But he also knows that left to yourself, you can't do that. You have no power, no authority, no strength. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. On your own, you can't do that. So he sent Jesus Christ to die in your place. Even though you can't obey God, Jesus perfectly obeyed God. And even though you deserve to die because of your disobedience, Jesus died in your place as your disobedience, even though he was perfect in his obedience. And then to prove that in doing that, he took away your sin and took away all that separated you from the Father and brought you together to prove that, he rose again from the grave. And in doing that, he gives you a new heart. He writes his word on that new heart and he places that new heart inside of you. You have all you need in Christ to listen, receive, do, and as a result be changed by God's word. Jesus Christ took away the sin, filled you with the Spirit, wrote his word on your heart, empowers you with the ability to hear and receive and live this out. So that's why we celebrate communion today. Because this is representative of the price Jesus paid so that you can actually do all the stuff we talked about. This makes it possible now. So as you take communion, and I know we can sometimes take communion and kind of go through the motions and go, okay, you know, bread that takes a little bit like paper and, and a little shot of Welches and okay. But we want you to stop for a second and realize the significance of what it is we're doing here. You are remembering the sacrifice Jesus made so that you can actually hear, receive, do, and be changed by his word. 
this is what made it possible. Apart from this, none of this happens. This is what makes it possible. So thank God for this. Receive this in gladness and say, Jesus Christ, do in me what only you can. As I submit to your word and seek to live obedient to your word, do in me what only you can and bear out your fruit in my life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I want to pray for us and give you a quick second to sit before the Lord and ask Him to speak to you. Is there any residual sin that today you need to confess to God and pluck that out of your heart? Is there a lukewarmness to the things of God that needs to be plucked out of your heart? Let's be honest. Do you sit right here and think, I know I should read the Bible, but the truth is I just don't really want to? I would encourage you to be honest about that like God knows, right? You play hide and seek from God like a two-year-old plays hide and seek. They close your eyes and think, because I can't see you, you must not be able to see me. You're not hiding from him. He knows you. He knows your heart. Go ahead and confess that. God, the truth is, I, I hear all this, but there's a part of me that doesn't really want this. I pray, God, that you would plug that out of me. Show me how glorious and amazing you are so that I want to be in your word and seek out your ways. Take just a second. Sit before the Lord. Confess your sin. Prepare your heart to receive communion. In front of you there, you have a cup that looks like this. Um, If you're on the front row and you need to receive this, uh, James, could you do me a favor and grab that and make sure people in the front row have some? As you have this, uh, the first layer is going to be the bread and the second layer is going to be the juice. And we take it in that order because that's the way that Jesus presented it. So in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, Jesus said, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So for this little piece of wafer, this symbolizes something profound and significant. This symbolizes the body of Jesus broken for you. He was broken so that you can be made whole. He was broken so that through God's word, he can mend you back. So I encourage you, as you take this here this morning, take and eat, remembering and meditating on the fact that Jesus Christ had his body broken so that you can be mended and made right as his spirit works in your life through his word. Take
After that, in verse 27, it says, He took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. Remember, we talked about that covenant there in Jeremiah. This is, the, this is what's going to make this happen. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ shed his blood so that you can have your sin taken away, have his word written on your heart, so that now by God's grace, his spirit through his word can change you more and more and more into the image of Jesus. This is a symbol of the blood of Jesus spilt so that you can have access to God. Take and drink. As we close our time together, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. And as we sing, the altar is open. You're welcome to come down and pray if you'd like. Pray right where you are, whatever you'd like. But I'd encourage you to take some time here this morning and say, Jesus Christ, do in me what only you can. And remember that that only happens one way. His spirit working through his word makes you more like him. Don't neglect that. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us enough to give it to us. I pray, God, that you would empower us, Lord, to seek you from your word and be changed into your image. Thank you, Jesus. Do this in us for your glory. We pray this in your name.
let you go. Real quick, a couple of announcements for you. One, if you're a guest with us, thank you so much for being here. We'd love to connect with you just to know that you were here. Best way you can do that, again, is to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number, 910-424-1298. We'll connect you to us as a guest. Please do that so we can know that you're here. We know how we can pray for you. Uh, For all of us, three big announcements. What's coming up here at Southview, how you can be plugged in. Uh, One, uh, parent meeting today after the 11 o'clock service in the FLC. Parents, don't forget that. Two, uh, the equip classes that we mentioned earlier already. Sign up for a class by texting equip to our number, 910-424-1298. And then lastly, men's breakfast. That's going to be this Saturday. Uh, Guys, you can text breakfast. To our number to sign up. Please come. I'm speaking. Going to be able to share again from God's word with you. I'm really excited. Guys, sign up and be a part of that. Uh, for all the other announcements, everything that's going on, download the app, Southview Baptist Church app, iTunes or Google Play. It'll get you connected with everything so you can stay plugged in. You can also give that way. You can give online through the app or in the giving boxes. And, and as we talk about that before we leave, I just want to encourage you we talk about giving, and every week I stand up here and go, hey, don't forget to give. We want to give. And I just want you to know, you have been ridiculously faithful to God in that. Let me give you a couple of uh, examples. Our Lottie Moon Christmas offering going into December there of 2021, our goal was $5,000. As of last week, you have given a total of $25,000. So, I mean, how amazing is that? It's unbelievable. Second, uh, as we finished, closed out for 2021, I've been here for three years, and this is now the third year in a row where giving has exceeded our budget. You guys just are phenomenal with that. Number one, all praise and glory, obviously, to God. He is amazing and gracious to us. And then secondly, thank you for being generous. Thank you for your generosity. It matters. It means something. It allows this ministry to go forward, and you have been 
unbelievably generous in all of that. Thank you so much. Praise God for you. Continue in your faithfulness, and I, and I pray that God um, really does a great work in you, bearing out that spiritual fruit as you're so gracious to give. I love you guys with all of my heart. I want to pray for you and let you go, okay? Lord God, just thank you. Thank you, God, for your people, your church here at Southview. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray, God, that we will be a people who listen and receive and do your word. And so as a result, we're changed by it. I pray, God, that we will be a people that humble ourselves and submit to you. I pray, God, that as we do that, we will, as a people, revere you as we are in your word and we see you, Jesus, for who you are. We see how glorious and amazing you are. We're going to revere you and worship you and adore you. We're going to enjoy you. We're going to see you that you are the greatest treasure in the universe. We're going to worship with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're going to seek to nurture that relationship through the word with you. And we're going to seek to tell other people because you have done such great things in us. Thank you, God. Keep doing this work for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.